my name is Bob Hall. I am one of the pastors here at Heartland Baptist Fellowship. So it's good to see everyone this morning in the house of the Lord. And if you're listening online, like they've already mentioned, thank you for listening in line. There's nothing better than to calm your nerves before you get up to speak than to be reminded of, don't worry, or just to remember that everything you say is going to be broadcast around the world. (laughs) So if I look like a deer in the headlights, that might be part of it. Or maybe I'm lost in my notes. It's one of those two things. But it is good to be here to, to, to be able just to open up the Word of God and see, you know, what does the Word of God say. So uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to go ahead and turn to um, Hebrews chapter 11. It, may, it might take me just a little bit to get there. But I actually, my wife and I live actually in South Overland Park. And we've been coming here for... Quite a few years. I've lost track just almost how many. But between there and on the way here, and it seems like that's the only place I go. I know that road pretty well. I'm starting to see signs in front of businesses and organizations uh, that say heroes work here. Has anybody seen those? No. Okay. It, it seems like they're popping up everywhere. And I don't doubt that there's not heroes that work there, but in my mind I'm thinking, are you a hero just because you work, or you give your time at a certain organization. And yet, so I, in, my, in my mind, I start thinking things like that. Okay, so just what is a hero? And in our society, and in, in the, you know, the, the nation that we live in, we take a great pride in sports, don't we? And so a lot of times we'll put sports people up as heroes. And we've been very fortunate. We've had two very good teams, one the Royals and one the Chiefs, that I think have won some national championships just lately, you know. And we put some of these players up as heroes. And yet the sad thing about it, if we really studied who they were and and who they are and the the characters that they have, I don't know if we'd call them heroes. The other sad part about it is, you know, six months after, you know, they've been in the spotlight, maybe a year after the spotlight, their name may come up and people will say, who, who is that? Who is that? I mean, who are they? And yet, you know, I don't quite think of that as a hero. But when I think of a hero and what a hero is, immediately I think of people in the Bible. I don't know what you guys think of. But I, I, I go to Hebrews chapter 11 because in my Bible I have it written down. Bob's Hall of Fame for these guys are my heroes in the Bible. They are my heroes. Now, Webster defines a hero as a person who is admired or idealized for courage, for outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. When I think of heroes, again, I think of people in the Bible who lived their lives during uncertain times with incredible obstacles to overcome. And again, I think of these people in Hebrews chapter 11. And so let's just, I'll just name a few before we get there. I'm thinking of people like Abel, like Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Caleb, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and don't forget the prophets. Now these are what I consider heroes to me, but these are basically heroes in the Bible. They are, God has listed them there for a purpose. And we won't find the word heroes in our Bible, 
but we can see the characteristics of a hero if we pay attention to some of these people in the Bible. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, that it is not wise to compare ourselves against others. And the reason, part of the reason for that is, a lot of the times we want to pick somebody who's worse than we are at something and to make ourselves look good. Have you guys ever done that, you know? Well, at least I'm not as bad as this guy. I'm not as bad as that Bob Hall guy that goes to HBS, you know. And so we kind of have, we kind of use it for the wrong reasons. But, you know, maybe we ought to look at some people that we know are heroes and look at them and, and compare ourselves to them to see if we're even close to being in the same ball game with them. You know, when I was in high school, it's been a few years back, even though I think I'm still a kid, right? It's been a, quite a while. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we would have about a 30-minute study period, or let me rephrase that, a 30-minute time of period to do whatever we wanted. The brainy people, including my wife, would go to the library and study and do their homework. But me, being, you know... Having my, having my act together, I would t- go with my, gu- my friends, the guys, and we'd go down to the gym and play sports. And so I remember a, a friend of mine whose name was Bob also, and he happened to be a short guy also, just like me, would go down to the activity center and we would play handball. You know, if, if, you're, if you're not real tall and if you're not real muscular, and, uh, you know, handball is what you want to play. Anybody played handball in here? Okay, a few people. Are you all short like me? Perfect? No. Okay. Here's the deal. My friend and I went down in our sophomore year, and we were trying to find some people to play with, and nobody would play with us. We finally found two juniors who agreed to play with us, and I think they agreed to play with us because they were going to compare themselves against us, and so they looked really good. And so we got clobbered. Every time we played them, we just got annihilated. But, you know, we played them day after day and day after day. By the end of the year, we were holding our own. The following year, we went back to the same thing. But at the end of that year, it was a toss-up between which team won because we had raised ourselves up to that, to the level of playing that they had. Maybe we need to look at heroes in the Bible and compare ourselves against them to maybe pull ourselves up to have the characteristics they have, okay? But, you know, if we think about that, you know, have you ever thought about comparing yourself against one of these guys in the Bible? You know, people like Zephaniah, uh, Josiah, we heard this morning, the first hour, heroes in the Bible, Jeremiah, Amos, Malachi, How about Paul or Peter? You know, one time I thought, oh, I could compare myself against Peter because he sticks his foot in his mouth a lot too. You know? How about somebody like Jason, Priscilla or Aquila? How about Timothy or Titus? How would we compare against them? How about Archippus or Epaphroditus? And you're like, who? Get in the Bible and look at these guys. Look at what they did. And then how about Christians down through history? Now, I'm going to list five men here, and I'll probably butcher their names, and I don't know if anybody knows them, but the Lord does. 
Balthazar Hubmeyer, Conrad Griebel, Felix Manns, George Blaurock, or Wilhelm Robley. Anybody know those guys? I'm sure a few of you do. God used these five men to help jumpstart the New Testament church at the beginning of the Reformation, and men like them. Well, they lived between the years of 1480 and 1559. You see that during the Dark Ages, the time period before they lived, Christians had been hunted down and killed. If you know your church history, for almost a thousand years, the reason they were called dark was, was basically Satan used his church to try to wipe out Christianity. And not only that, they tried to wipe out the word of God. And yet what we see through all that period is that God always has his faithful few. There's always some people doing the work of the Lord. But these, let me tell you what these five men preached and taught. They taught in an independent local New Testament church made up of born-again believers. They taught that the Bible, the line from Antioch, was the sole authority of their faith and practice. They taught and believed that salvation was by grace through faith, without works. They believed and taught in a literal interpretation of the Bible. They taught that baptism was only for professing believers. They taught and believed in a premillennial second coming of Christ. And they taught and believed, and get this, that the Lord's Supper was an ordinance of remembrance only as taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because during the Dark Ages, there had been a heresy brought into the church concerning the Lord's Supper. And a certain group basically has said that when we partake of, of the juice, that we're actually partaking of the actual blood of Christ. Now, I know that's kind of gross. I'm not trying to gross you all out. They also proclaimed that when we partake of the bread, that that bread somehow automatically turns into the body of Christ. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Christ taught. These men taught just what we believe today with the Lord's Supper as well as all the rest of these that I have mentioned, basically what we believe in the New Testament church. But let me tell you this. Four of these five men were killed because of their beliefs. These men are heroes. These men lived and preached their beliefs. They weren't hiding. They weren't in the closet. They were willing to die, preaching God's word and believing it and living it out in their life. How would we compare if we compared ourselves against them? How about some of the great missionaries down through time? Hudson Taylor, David Livingston, Adoniram Judson. I'm going to stop for a minute because I want to spend just a little bit of time on Adoniram Judson. He lived between 1788 and 1850, so he died just right before our Civil War. But Adoniram and his wife loaded up in a ship from America, and they, they sailed to India to be missionaries. While they were in India, God sent them to Burma. While they were at Burma, their two main goals were to evangelize and to translate the Bible into the Burmese language, something that's very dear to our hearts today. But 
they succeeded in both of those, but yet not without some hardships along the way. Adoniram's wife died while they were there. He was thrown into prison, accused of being a, a spy for the English. And yet in a down part, in, in one of the worst days of Adoniram's life, there was a man that came to him, really wanted to jab him when he was down. And they asked Adoniram Judson at the lowest point in his ministry, so how does the future look for you now, preacher? Sneer, sneer. To which Adoniram replied, the future is as bright as the promises of God. That's a hero, guys. That's a hero. Maybe we would compare ourselves against Lottie Moon or Amy Carmichael, Billy Sunday, Mordecai Ham, Billy Graham, Martin and Gracia Burnham, and even the missionaries that we support. You guys are heroes. And we mentioned in the first hour, some of the men mentioned that we have some prayer groups for our missionaries. Join a prayer group and let God bless you. Get a part, be a part of what these missionaries are doing and, and how they're serving God. Get to know a real-life hero in the flesh. So how would we compare against our, ourselves against someone like that? Well, maybe we need to try to be like them. So I've already asked you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to bring out my first point today that I'm preaching at is that a hero possesses faith. They possess faith. Verse 1 and 2 of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by what? By faith, the elders obtained a good report. Okay, It lays out what faith is. Somebody asked me, and, I, and it was very close. I think it was Steve in the first hour was talking about faith. What is faith? And I basically break it down to this based on what I see in God's word. It's believing in what God has said and then acting upon that. That's what faith is. Okay. It takes faith to be a hero. Verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. Verse 9, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised it. I mean, these are some people of faith that we're looking at right here. They got a good report. 
from the Lord Jesus Christ and from God, and they are in God's hall of fame, in his hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. So again, faith is just believing what God said, acting it out in your life, living it out. It basically, it's walking the talk. Okay. So number one, heroes always possess faith. But number two, heroes have a heritage. We have a heritage. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a heritage. Turn over in your Bible in the Old Testament to Ezra, chapter 7. Ezra, another hero of mine in the Bible. Ezra was quite a guy. I want to read verses 1 through 5. It says, Now after these things in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sarai, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah. And I don't know why I do this. Normally when I get up and preach or teach, I have to pick a list of names to go through. And I should know better than that, but bear with me. Verse 2. The son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitab, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Marioth, the son of Zerahiah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki, the son of Abishua, the son of Phineas, and his brother, what was it, Ferb? No, I'm kidding. Okay, the son of Phineas, and the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. Ezra had a heritage. Ezra chapter 7. Ezra had a heritage. And this is quite a heritage because this heritage that Ezra had was the priestly line. The priestly line, the, the high priest that served in the temple in Jerusalem. This was his heritage. Okay. But you know what? We have a heritage today, each one of us. If we know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have a heritage. And it might be by blood. In fact, is, I could, we could probably preach on that too. It's by blood. Yeah, it's through the blood of Christ. But maybe it was somebody related by blood to you that led you to Christ. Maybe it was your mother, your father. Maybe your grandmother, grandfather. Maybe it's an aunt or uncle. And if that's you today, you need to, you need to stop and and thank God for that person in your life. And if you're here today and, and, and you have kids and grandkids, let me stop and tell you, it is your responsibility to do everything in your power to bring these children of yours, these grandchildren, these people you know, to the loving and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's our job as parents and grandparents. And so if, if that's the case... And one of these people have led you to the Lord. Just, you know, give them a hug or, 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 or I don't know, do whatever you can. Remember, if they're not here, just, just think how lucky that is. But, you know, some of us are not in that same boat. Some of us, it was, uh, you know, maybe a co-worker, maybe a school friend of ours. Maybe it was, you know, someone else that led us to Christ. Either way, whether it's by blood or spiritually, we have. A heritage today. Okay. Ezra had a heritage. But you know what? His isn't any better than ours. Okay. Heroes have heritages. 
But I want to look at some more about Ezra, because again, like I said, he is quite the guy. Let's read verses 6 down to verse 10. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. And there went up some of the children of Israel and the priests and the Levites and the singers and the porters and the Nethanims unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. Now hang on, this is where I want to get to. Verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgment and judgment. This Ezra took action. So heroes take action. They don't sit on the sidelines. They take action. Okay? First of all, he prepares his heart to seek the law of the Lord in verse 10. He learned God's word. He took it upon himself to learn the Bible, the Bible that they had. Okay. Now, in this church, we also take a very strong stand on the word of God, and we have all kinds of ways to learn the word of God. You can come to an adult Bible hour, and hear some fantastic preaching and teaching. Come to the main service and again hear some fantastic biblical, faithful preaching. We can come on Sunday nights, on Wednesday nights. We have Discipleship One where we take a person and set them down with a, a new believer to just to show them the Bible, show them some principles in the Word of God. We have Discipleship Two, HBI. We have all kinds of avenues in this church to learn the word of God. Put it in your heart to seek God's word. Okay? You are in a church that can help you do that. Okay, So this Ezra had prepared his heart and then he applied it. Verse 10 says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. So this guy Ezra talked the talk. He talked the walk. Okay. Not only did he know the word, he lived it. He lived it. This guy, Ezra, took action. There was no lip service with Ezra. But not only that, Ezra wanted to teach others. He wanted to take what God showed him, what he had put in his life, what he was living, and then he wanted to express that to others. Okay. And not only, and I hope you didn't miss this, because it says here, let me read verse 10 again. 10 says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach. Where does it say? In Israel. He was in Babylon at the time. He's already planning ahead to get back to Israel because God was going to use him to kickstart the temple worship back in Jerusalem, just like he did the men during the Reformation. Ezra wanted to teach 
the word of the Lord and he wanted to teach it back in Israel, back in the temple. And God used him to bring a group of people from Babylon back to Israel to start the temple had been rebuilt and who better to do it than someone who had a heritage, someone that was faithful, someone that knew the word of God, someone that applied it to their life and someone that was ready to teach it. And so God brought him back there and got temple worship established again in the nation of Israel. Heroes take action. They have a plan. But not only that, heroes stay the course. Now, I'm not going to get into the rest of Ezra's, but I'm going to give you a little homework this morning. I probably, you won't ask me to speak no more because nobody else gives you homework. Brian doesn't give you homework. Here's your homework. Go back and home sometime this week and read the last couple chapters of Ezra. Because when you read them, you're going to see that he stayed the course. And I'll just kind of give you a, a, a little bit of info of what took place. When Ezra got back to Israel, when he brought that group of people back to Israel, back to Jerusalem to get temple worship started again. The temple's been rebuilt. Things are ready to get going again. And he finds out some of the some of his, you know, head people came to him and said, "Hey, we got a problem." Because the congregation, the people that's in the land that we're going to start teaching and and getting going worshiping God. They've they've married women from different nations, nationalities. And these women had brought their fallen idols and their false worship with them, which was the exact same thing that caused the nation of Israel to go in captivity in the first place. So when when Ezra finds out the news, he comes to a low point in his life. He's wanting to beat his head on a rock because I know what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, I've studied your word. I've lived in it. I'm living it in my life. I'm wanting to teach it. And you've brought me back to Israel. We're already here. And now it seems like we're at a complete stall because the people have went out and brought all this false religion back to Israel. What are we going to do? Well, he didn't stop. He didn't go back to Babylon. He had a plan, and they worked through the situation. And if you read the rest of the chapters in Ezra, you'll find out that they took the people that had married these women from different nationalities. They basically separated themselves from them. Okay. Heroes stay the course. Other people in the Old Testament stayed the course. Joshua and Caleb stayed the course. When you think of Joshua and Caleb, what do you guys think of? Going into the promised land, right? They stayed the course. Let me tell you why. Joshua and Caleb came out with the nation of Israel under Moses. They get to the promised land and they're getting ready to go in to take the promised land and yet Moses sends out how many spies, guys? Twelve spies. Joshua and Caleb are two of those. They spy out the land and they come back. Joshua and Caleb give a report like, hey, the land's there. It's a beautiful land. It is dripping with with milk and honey. And and look at the grapes we brought back, man. They brought back a cluster of grapes that, you know, took two guys to carry. The other ten spies 
the other 10 guides that went with them on the expedition or on the, on the uh, trip to check out the land come back and go, oh, wait a minute, no, no, no. Wait a minute, guys. These guys are too big. They're too mean. They have too much weaponry. They live in fortified cities. There's no way we can have this land. They will annihilate us. Which one was right? Both of them. Both of them was right. But what was the difference? Faith. Joshua and Caleb had faith. They had a heritage. They were taking action. And they got shut down. But they stayed the course. They had to wait 40 years to be able to get into the land. Have you ever had an obstacle in your life that shut you down for 40 years? You know, in that amount of time, a lot of us would probably just pack up and go home, you know? 40 years is a long time. My, my wife and I have two kids and they're 10 years apart. For, we didn't plan it that way. I've had people ask me, well, why did, you, why did you do that 10 years apart? Well, let me tell you, we didn't plan it. For 10 years, my wife prayed. Well, let me put it this way. She was more faithful than I was praying for 10 years for another child. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally I got to the point where, God, I don't think you're going to give us another child. Heroes stay the course. After 40 years, Caleb and Joshua got to go into the land. They stayed the course. In the New Testament, Paul stayed the course. In Acts chapter 20 and verses 22 to 24, he's on his way back to Jerusalem on that final trip back, and nothing would stop him from finishing this course. Not even the fact that they kept telling him in every city, don't go back because you're going to be put in chains. He stayed the course and God used him. Adoniram Judson stayed the course. Martin Burnham stayed the course all the way to the point he was killed. You know what? Today, I think that's where we as Christians miss the boat. I think that's where we blow it. We don't stay the course. It's sad to say, I'm sad to say this, but in my life I've seen pastors that taught me the word of God go off course. I've seen churches get off course. But what I'm really sad to say is I've had friends, people that are are saved, washed again in the blood of Christ, know their Bible, have taught the Bible, get off course. It's sad. We got to keep on the course. Hebrews, stay Hebrews, heroes, stay on course. Now, when I'm driving down the road, Every once in a while, and I don't understand why this happens, because I'm an excellent driver. <laughs> I am driving down the road, and, and, I, and I don't know why, but I think there's a, there's a little 
um, there is a little thing on the side of the road that has some ribs in it. And, and so when you get that, or if your tires get over far enough and hit that, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're going to have a flat tire. or You hear this sound, thump, 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 you know. And I think sometimes they push them in a little bit. And I hit those. Maybe you do too. But, you know, those are there. Why? To keep us on the road. To keep us on track. Because what happens if you get off that and continue to keep going? You're going to have a wreck. Paul called it in the New Testament, Christians getting shipwrecked. Because they didn't stay the course. They didn't stay the course. So if you want to be a hero, the heroes I see in the Bible stay the course. In Genesis 26, 4, we, we don't see stay in the course, but we see keeping the charge. Kind of goes right along with it. Genesis 26, 4 says, God gives, or God gives Abraham a blessing, and it says, I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations be blessed. Why did God give that to Abraham? Next verse. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge. He stayed the course. He also kept God's commandments and statutes and his laws. Now Abraham, if you study him, he had his ups and downs also. He made mistakes, but he kept God's charge. Heroes keep God's charge. They stay the course. And then I'm going to wrap things up here really quick, but I want to point out that heroes also get rewarded. Heroes get rewarded. Turn over in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. I want to read 1 through 8. In all reality, I could have probably just started in this passage because in this passage you'll see every characteristic, every trait of a hero that I've talked about so far this morning. Verse 1 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as its appearing in its kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. They're not staying the course. Verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Of course, we know he's talking to Timothy. He's given them the charge to, to charge forward. Verse 6. Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Heroes will get rewarded. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I really don't want to be rewarded by 
in the Kansas City Star of doing some, some feat. I look forward to the Lord Jesus Christ himself giving me a reward. Hopefully you do too. Because that's going to be eternal. It won't fade away. God's heroes get rewarded. A crown of righteousness given to him by Christ. Can you think about that? Think about that in your life. Can you picture that? The Lord Jesus Christ giving you a crown of righteousness? That's what's going to happen to us when we meet Christ. If we've been faithful and if we've stayed the course. What are you striving for today, Christian? Are you faithful? Do you really believe what God said will take place? Do you have a heritage? Well, if you're saved here this morning... You have a heritage. Are you taking action? Are you living your life for Christ? Are we staying the course? Now, guys, I'm going to put myself in the same shoes. This verse, this this message is very convicting for me. So I don't want to say, you know, I've, I've reached that and I've got there. I'm not. And I have to ask myself these same questions that I'm asking you. Are we taking action? in our life, are we staying the course, keeping the charge, or are we living for the moment? Get this. This is what I'd like to put. Remember every day. Am I living for the moment or am I living for eternity? Am I allowing the circumstances in my life to get me off course? This is what I'm asking myself. In a few minutes, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. Now, I hope and pray this week that, that you're prayed up, that you're okay with, with anyone that maybe you've had some, been out of sorts with and you've taken care of that. And more importantly, I, I pray that we are okay. That's not the best word to use, okay. Uh, that we are right with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know, there's times when, when you feel super close to the Lord and there's some times when you feel far away. Where are you at right now, Christian? Because if we are all right with the people around us, if we've made peace with them and if we've made peace with the Lord, you know what that's going to do? It's going to keep us on course so that God can use us to be the hero that God wants us to be. I know many of us in here um, would not ever consider ourselves being heroes. But let me ask you this. Do you have the characteristics that we see from God's word? I'm going to close there. I'm going to go ahead and ask Brian to come up and, and um, end this and get us ready for the Lord's Supper. And uh, again, I just want to say this is a great time to be here to celebrate what God has told us to do. Wow, what a great message uh, to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. You know, heroes always have faith. Heroes have a heritage. We take action. Stay, uh, heroes stay the course. 
and heroes receive the reward of faithfulness. Is that describing us? I hope it is, uh, because that's really God's will, isn't it? That's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. Be you always, you know, uh, steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. So let's just uh, think about that in light of the Lord's Supper. And as I was listening to that message, uh, some of us, you know, I mean, we've been talking about the Lord's Supper now for quite some time, so we should hopefully have our hearts repaired. I know I know, God's been working in people's hearts in regard to the Lord's Supper. And, and why is that? Because we want to be faithful. You know, we don't want to drop the ball on the four-yard line on the way in for a touchdown. We want to we want to make we want to get where God wants us to go, accomplish his mission and his power for his glory, and we want to be faithful till the end. And so uh, praise God for that. And maybe God's asking you to let go of something that's in the way. Uh, and that's one of the things that, that when you look at what has taken people off course and gotten them off the path of faithfulness, it's, it's uh, nothing wrong with God's word. It's, it's something that's replaced that in our lives. In God's will, right? And so, uh, are we willing to let go of that so that we can embrace God's will? What a great motivation, though. I mean, listening to that message, we should be moved right now to obey God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we conclude this time of exhortation from your word, and we consider these points concerning what it is to be a hero and how that relates to being faithful and how we have these examples uh, and in samples, both in the word of God and history, and really, even in our lives, we know people that, that replicate what we're talking about, and we know people that have also gone off course. And, and Lord, we're, we, don't, we want to consider ourselves, lest we also be tempted. Lord, we know that uh, every day is your grace and your mercy, and we come to days like this as in a remembrance to remember you, and we take this seriously. And Lord, I pray God right now in our hearts, if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice or maybe watching online somewhere that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today they would understand the grace of God is so tremendous that God wants to wants them to be saved. He wants them to understand his great love for them, that he gave his only begotten son, and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And all they have to do is understand he is the hero of the story and, and uh, yield their will, give their will up for his, and understand that, that uh, God died on the cross for our sins so that we could be resurrected with him and received with meekness that engrafted word which is able to save our souls and choose Christ as Lord and Savior. Actually, the Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Heavenly Father, as we, as we pray to you right now, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice I, that doesn't know you as, as Lord and Savior today, Lord, I pray, God, that they would understand that Jesus tru truly is who he said he is and that today would be the day of salvation. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're here this morning and you're like, Brian, you are talking to me, I need to be saved. I'm not close to the Lord. I've never been close with the Lord. And uh, I am in a situation where I need Jesus. Is I need him to save me. I'm a sinner, separated from God. And, uh, and I understand that Jesus died to reconcile me. I believe he lived. I believe he died. And I believe he rose again the third day. Uh, or you want to believe that. You want to see that in the word of God. You want to know what the Bible says about salvation. Is there anyone that would say, Brian, that's where I'm at. And I need, I need some prayer right now. Anyone at all? This is not a bait and switch. I see that hand. Anybody else thinking about those things? All right. Well, let's go ahead then and prepare our hearts uh, for the Lord's Supper. Uh, let's stand together in an attitude of prayer. And uh, I think you guys know the, the we'll talk more about the Lord's Supper in particular here in just a minute. This is a great time if you have children that are biblically born again and have been scripturally baptized <clears throat> uh, to uh, break and go grab them if they are over in the, the, the children's ministry right now. And uh, we will re rejoin here in just a moment for the Lord's Supper. But let's have a time of prayer.
as we uh, consider our own hearts as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather and and just apply this message. Part of what we just learned today, both in the 9 o'clock hour and during this main service, is that faith is something that we act on. It's not just knowing about something. It's believing it enough to do it. And so, Heavenly Father, we want to come to you, and if there's anything that we're holding on to that would hinder us from being your hero, hindering us from accomplishing your mission, any anything like Israel uh, face that would cause them, in the midst of great blessing, uh, to just go astray, idols or relationships that lead us to idolatry, things that we want to grasp onto, things that our flesh loves that we know you're calling us now to let go of. In a time that's so mission critical to get the gospel where it needs to go on time, Lord, uh, starting here in this pulpit, me, myself, Lord, I, I would confess there are things I just want to I want to see you have victory, Lord, in, uh, in everyone's life, including my own. Lord, help us to be so focused on what is before, that, that there is nothing behind, Lord, that would hinder us or, or cause us to run the, off the road a little bit and, and uh, definitely become shipwrecked. Lord, I, I like, my, like my brother Bob, Pastor Bob, have seen so many uh, get shipwrecked. And, Lord, the Bible tells us that you keep our foot, foot from slipping, Lord. It's the one, you're the one that we depend on, and it's moments like this as we come to the Lord's Supper, as we prepare our hearts, Lord, that you use to really manifest and highlight things that, that are really idolatrous issues in our heart. And so, Father, I pray right now, as, as Josiah and, and many others, uh, kings in the Old Testament, Lord, we are called priests and kings, that we would cast down every idol, every image, everything uh, that would hinder us from worshiping you wholeheartedly. Lord, I pray, God, that we would have that faith, not the faith that would be counted as faithless, that would not allow us to enter victoriously against the giants, but would allow us the victory to go in, as, as, as Bob pointed out, and see you do things that uh, only you can do, and that's accomplish your mission and your power for your glory. Uh, Lord, we praise you and thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this, this morning to remind us of the Lord's Supper, that, to remember you and what you've done, how you faced down the giant of sin and death and defeated it soundly for all of us who would come by faith into Christ and how you love the Father and how the Father loved the world and how that has birthed the church. Oh, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the, the remembrance that you remind us to keep, and we're thankful for this opportunity to do it. I pray for your saints now. Lord, if there's anybody that is holding on to anything, Lord, that it doesn't just defile their body, it defiles this body. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would purge us and uh, according to your holy word, according to your name. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would empower us, Lord, and that your grace would cover us, and that we would remember the blood of Christ, which taketh away all our sin, Lord, our sin is as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I pray, God, we'd be renewed in the knowledge of your word this morning, and that we'd be encouraged to go forward in faith for your honor and for your glory. We thank you, and we praise you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. At this time, um, I think...